let me plug in my laptop first. You have like a, your intro all set and everything, like ready to go. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Great. Let's go ahead and uh, let's begin. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Night, Impact's one-stop shop for talking about things socially. I'm your, I'm your host this week, George McNeil. With me is st our station's general manager, Jeremy Whiting. Hey, how's it going? We also have Madeline Farrell, uh, our hello. director. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hello, everybody. Thank you for saying my full name, George. Of course. And then we have with us Sarah Jean Kaczynski of the video and audio team. Hi there. Thank you very much as well for saying my full name. I love when my middle name is stated out loud. <laughs> Great. Love it. Very good. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about the business at hand. We all took some time this last week and watched a very niche show on FX mm -hmm. or on Hulu. It's called Terriers. It came out in 2010 and it's a private detective crime <laughs> drama. It only ran for one season. It didn't really resonate with an audience. They canceled it almost immediately after it finished airing, but it was critically acclaimed and it became a darling of FX's lineup. And it's just recently getting some new steam and traction from returning to Hulu. So, hey everyone, what did you think of Terriers? What were your first thoughts? I, I'll say I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, I'm assuming no one else had heard anything about it before watching it, and I hadn't heard of the show before. I wasn't actually aware that it was going all the way back to 2010. I just assumed it was a couple years old. So I think overall it held up pretty well, even though it's only been 10 years, but it seemed fairly modern to me. And, and it was fun. Like, fun is probably a word that comes to mind immediately. I think at times it stretch the bounds of reality but i thought that was part of the charm of it yeah if you looked at if you looked at just the synopsis for it it, it sounds pretty unremarkable you know it's just about an ex-cop and his partner solving crimes in ocean beach san diego and at a full stop there you know it sounds like quite a few other shows that are on the air at the time but yeah i think what sets it apart from other shows is it's just fun Right off the bat, there's just this really great chemistry between the two characters, uh, Hank and Britt, um, as they steal a dog from someone within the first five minutes. But I mean, before we get into that, Maddie and Sarah, what'd you guys think? I really liked it. It reminded me of a lot of shows that I used to watch that were also one season and then it was done. It reminded me of Battle Creek, which is also on Netflix, if you guys want to check that out. But it's just like that buddy cop but like comedy infused in it, but then there are also some serious bits. I was really into that. I think like when around this came out, so I'm surprised that I didn't know about this show, but I did really like it. I thought it was funny, it was entertaining, it was cool. For me, it was definitely something where I really liked it because I, besides a little bit of a synopsis from you, George, I had no idea what it was about. Not gonna lie, the name at first, I don't think I knew where the setting was before I watched it. So I think I thought it was going to be a British show for some reason, yeah, like just no. terriers. I thought British, yeah. <laughs> that's where my head went to. So like when they were in California, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but that surprised me. But I definitely really liked it because I think a lot of shows I get into before I watch them, same thing with movies, just with how the world is. I tend to see a lot of commercials and advertising for them. So to watch something that I basically knew nothing about going into it was really really fun and kind of along with like what jeremy was saying 
besides I could tell tell a little bit from like their fashion choices that was a little bit older but not too bad the structure of it like what they were talking about how everything it felt like it could have come out just a few years ago and even talking about going back to talking about the name i -hmm. think what really what really put the nail in the coffin for this show is its name but Mm -hmm. i'd love to know what you all think because i think they came up with the name with terriers because you know the characters are they're scrappier you know they're just making ends meet really but they're very resourceful at the same time and then there's also a couple dogs in the show but none of them are actually the breed terriers so i don't know i don't know what else they could have named it but really you think anything else would be better yeah like i know well for the show i mentioned battle creek they just named it battle creek because that's where it took place so maybe something like that but i think because they named it terriers that's why they included the first shot of them with the dog but I was really confused by the name the whole time and the like um the cover for the show is I guess a terrier holding the name in its mouth with the guys in the background but I was like I didn't see that dog throughout this whole episode mm-hmm. so I don't know <laughs> what that means yeah I fully agree the name really threw me off at the beginning for whatever reason in my mind it made me think that I was about to watch some sort of vaguely horror type show <laughs> with a scary dog. I don't know. Uh, that's where my mind immediately went. And just like Maddie said, looking at the cover art for the series, I was like, I, I don't know what this is. This is going to be weird. And George says it's good. I'll check it out. <laughs> I don't know. But without a recommendation, I definitely would not have picked that. I know I wouldn't have, but I was, I was surprised. I did like it, mm-hmm. but I think they, they did themselves a disservice by having that name. It's yeah. uh, branded it the wrong way in my mind. I wonder if they tried that name just because like when you do read the synopsis, like you were saying, it doesn't sound really spectacular or any different from like other shows that were out at the time and are still out. So I wonder if they were like, ah, let's try for a new angle by some funky name. Like maybe that'll attract people. But like you said, I probably if I had read it, I'd just be like, oh, okay. And not clicked on it. Yeah, it's nothing associated with detective yeah. things or private investigating or crime yeah. solving. So I think that's kind of where people probably got thrown off. And it's and it's not as if it was coming from people who didn't know what they were doing. Because the creator of the show, Ted Griffin, and then one of the executive producers, Sean Ryan, they worked on the show The Shield, which was one of FX's first big headlining dramas. I, I think they came into this show with the similar approach, just making it a bit more, you know, obviously comedic and more, I don't know, The Shield was more of like old-fashioned noir and this was more neo-noir. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it, it feels ahead of its time in a way. Talking about just that, that intro with how that opens, I, you already understand the relationship between those two characters immediately because they're talking about, he, Hank is asking for Brit for a loan for a thousand dollars to get his like something redone in his house, like his bathroom or something like <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, I'm trying to remember too, but you know, and they were about to go steal this dog and the one was asking, well, how much is this pain? And he wouldn't tell him. Like that's the thing that I remember most. And it made it seem like this was quite a normal thing. And then afterwards we find out, of course, that yeah, they're not getting paid at all. Yeah, <laughs> just for free laundry. <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's like I saw it more as like they were like brother that kind of relationship where they're just like bickering all the time but and they're wary of each other but they always are loyal to each other and rely on each other a bunch mm-hmm. but 
yeah, that first scene I feel like was a really good introduction to their relationship. It gets into, that also helps to define like how the rest of the show goes. Because though there's an overarching storyline, which this this episode kicks off, you know, with uh, with the antagonistic Robert Lindis and, <laughs> you know, some big like Ocean Beach conspiracy plot that he's working on. But there's also these sort of case-by-case elements where, you know, they start off with this little misadventure and throughout the show, that's also how it goes. So even when they take breaks from the bigger Robert Lindis plot, they're still going on these fun adventures that serve the show because it explains like how the characters operate and how they react to one another and how they approach situations and problem solving. One of the biggest ones being actually Hank's relationship with his ex-wife Gretchen. Anyone have any thoughts there that they want to share? I felt bad for the guy. I just especially, I think what really hurt most was, you know, the scene when she was selling. So she told him she was selling the house. And in the back of my mind, I know she didn't really give the reason why fully mm-hmm. for why she was selling the house um, when she was talking to him. So in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, something's happening that she doesn't want him to know about. Like she's kind of sparing him. And then it came out later at dinner of like oh she found someone else and I was like there it is like I was waiting kind of for the other shoe to drop of there's a reason behind her selling the house you know and just escaping that that past baggage of their relationship which you get a sense of without even them needing to say that much just the way that they look Mm -hmm. at each other and she's mentioning you you should tell your old drinking buddies that we're not actually together anymore and yeah like his nickname for her, like Gretch, and even just the way he did a really good job. Um, the actor who plays Hank, I felt like when he learned about uh, how she's with going to be with someone else, like his portrayal, I was like, oh man, like it, oh, it hurt. And I, you know, had only seen like what this was maybe like forty minutes into the episode, so I'd only known him for forty minutes, but that really, that really hurt. <laughs> Part of that, too, I don't know if anyone else has ever seen Californication, but it reminded me of that setup, too, where David Duchovny is the main character in that one, and he's just pining over his ex-wife, and she's, you know, in the first season, she's off, you know, trying to go with another guy, and it's basically the whole season of him trying to win her back in his, you know, and he's and he's not a great guy you know morally often but you know he's trying and it felt like this setup was similar Uh, the setting of california i think helped too but uh it just seemed like a similar sort of plot progression i haven't seen anything other than the first episode but i could kind of guess that that's where the whole season might be going and i thought that would be kind of fun to watch uh yeah the relationship between those two characters i feel like it kind of paralleled what brit and his brit's girlfriend girlfriend i think it kind of paralleled them like yes they have problems but like they're together they're more or less happy and they're trying to build a life but he's like a goofy guy but they're still together so i thought it was like an interesting parallel from that and then to see like uh the other character just like have a bad relationship with his ex-wife and wanting her back so clearly i love that you mentioned that because i think what keeps the show so compelling in a way is that both of these characters uh hank and Britt are dealing with their own maturity issues, I think, in a way. Because Brit's afraid of commitment. Because um, I think even in the first episode, they talk about like mm-hmm. how nervous they are to like, even adopt a dog or like take on a level of that responsibility. And then Hank, meanwhile, his solution to getting over his wife 
well, I, I wouldn't even call it a solution, is to try to buy the house, right? Yeah. Like, that's what, that's what his game is in that first episode. And that's sprinkled in between, like, you know, when, the, when they're trying to dig into the, the case surrounding Robert Lindis. But Britt and Hank both kind of take these, like, sideway routes to try and handle their own situations and emotions without confronting them directly. And it makes for a lot of tension. Yeah. It's interesting how I feel like they'll kind of call out each other's flaws in a way, but then that person, like, won't address them. Like, Hank will be like, oh, Britt will come around when Katie's like, oh, I want a kid. And he's like, oh, I know. He's, you know, young and he doesn't want to commit yet. And then, like, Brit as well realizes Hank hey you probably shouldn't have bought the house you know how are you gonna pay for that but he's like ah like they'll they would rather kind of like complain about the other person's flaws and be like you should fix that than address their own (laughs) yeah let's talk actually about the antagonist Robert Mm -hmm. Lindis I don't know who of you have seen Breaking Bad but that's what I was just gonna say I love that it was Ted Benneke from Breaking Bad that was awesome this is the only other show I've ever seen him in, and yet he plays the exact it same. He's the same character. Yeah. <laughs> same guy. I mean, he's a little—he's a little bit less clueless in this show than he was in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, things, but yeah. So Robert Lindis—he's essentially a good old boy of the Ocean Beach community who hires Hank and Britt after they come see him on a missing persons case because they track him down while they're looking for one of Hank's old drinking buddies' daughters. Jeez, say that sentence five times fast. But so then Robert Lindis gives them this task to retrieve an item of his, which turns out to be a sex tape. And they recover it, but then they discover this little conspiracy in there where he's talking about some big development that he doesn't want people to know about. So then the whole case spirals back and forth and back and forth. And then by the end of the episode, Hank's old buddy is dead. And they think Robert Lindis had something to do with it. So, I, everyone, I'd love to know, like, what your thoughts were as, like, the episode developed. Like, I think every TV show, when it first starts off, pilots approach pacing very differently based on what's going on. So, you know, whereas one show might, you know, wait three or four episodes to introduce a big murder, com- like, conspiracy case like this. This does it within the first 40 minutes. So I'd love to know what everyone thought about that. I have a question. So is this like the main plot for the whole season then? Or is it just like one of those shows where they just do a crime an episode and then they're done with that and they move on to the next thing? It's a bit of a mix. I don't want to spoil too much. This is like a stepping stone for how things begin to spiral. But there are a lot of little case of the week sort of bits sprinkled in between there. I was going to say, because I feel like a lot of crime shows do that, where they just do like a crime an episode, you see it, you forget about it, you move on. But I do kind of like one that like, it builds on each other and kind of just like forms this bigger plot that you didn't know. But I thought he was a good villain, because you know, he's that typical like, rich man who's obviously trying to take advantage of the people who work for him. And I just, I don't know, I got invested in it. And I liked the girl. I think I recognize the girl from something else. I don't remember what else, but... Are you talking about Eleanor? Yeah, Yeah, she looked familiar. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the whole time what I knew her from. I just didn't have time to look it up, but I recognized her instantly. And I thought it was just really interesting from the moment it switched from her dad to her and then, like, to the murder. And then the guys were just like, oh, no, like, there is a murder, but we're not going to tell the police about it. (laughs) I was like... Oh, oh, you look more guilty now, but okay. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. I think they did. I was doing like the scene, not in a bad way. It was definitely really entertaining, but 
there's so many things that happen because like, if you think about it in the first episode there's already two murders and so i was like immediately like oh my god okay most shows i feel like in the pilot they kind of establish things or characters which this this is what that pilot did but it definitely was quicker about it which i think i think was really nice because in in total i didn't know how long this episode was going to be until i think at one point i checked in the middle and i was like oh my god this is an hour long episode but it didn't feel that way because they kept the pacing going really well and the dialogue was really strong and it was entertaining all around so even though they did introduce like have two murders and introduce a bunch of characters and introduce a whole world they did it in such a way where it was concise but i still felt like i was getting everything and really learning who these people were yeah and after that the first episode was done i was even thinking oh i I hope that they come back to these characters, like all the characters that were introduced. I was going to be disappointed if it was a villain of the week sort of thing. Um, and I don't need to see, uh, I don't remember his name, Ted Beneke. I don't need to see him every week, <laughs> but he he was such a strong character and I, I, I felt like he was going to be a recurring character and help play into those storylines. So I'm excited to see how true that is. Hopefully it is true. Felt it was a really good setup for that and made me want to see more, which is, the point of the pilot. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, Eleanor, towards the end of the episode, she goes off on the train, and I'm like, is this it? I'm n- am I never going to mm-hmm. see her again? Am I not going to know what exactly happens to her? Like, when they first announced that somebody had been killed, I thought it was her for a second, and he somehow found her, but I really want to know if she, like, does end up getting found by Robert Lundis. Yeah, that was such a simple misdirection on the last name, but it- <laughs> got me it got me and i thought that was pretty cool yeah it got me too i was like oh wait the dad is in this too okay that makes sense and that's such a a, such a dark turn too because when i first see robert lindis you know i see him as kind of just a bit of a scumbag you know who's cheating on his wife and doing some shady stuff on the phone but then when mickey mickey gosney is killed and it's through heroin and then Hank's you know very emotional he's like he would never touch that stuff like this is not this wasn't him it gives the show a very dark turn (laughs) that kind of sets like it gives Robert Lindis and like everything to come a bit more depth and you know a personal point for Hank and Britt to do what they do including planting a gun which incriminates Lindis and gets him in prison by the end of the episode but you know, even Brit at one point says, like, you just opened a huge can of, you know, shit in our lives. And it it makes me, even though I've seen this show probably twice, it makes me want to keep on watching. I like that part too. I liked how they were like, well, we're not exactly the law, so we're just going to take the shortcut. Like, we know this guy is a horrible guy and guilty, so mm, let's just cheat. Whatever. We're throwing the gun in there. And it gets the same result, a better result. Uh, get straight to the point. And, of course, it's going to have these horrible repercussions, I'm sure, down the line for them. You could just feel it as they were doing it. Uh, but it was very satisfying in the moment to watch. Yeah, like, at first, when they brought out the gun from the truck, I, like, thought the worst. I thought they were just, like, we're gonna kill him instead. And I was like, <laughs> That's what, what I thought too for a second. I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh wait, it makes more sense that they would just plant it in his house as a murder weapon because that was the weapon. But also their fingerprints are all over it. They did not yeah. use gloves holding it. Yeah. So I was like, what? 
but okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, maybe they wiped it down, but that's what I thought too when the guy pulled it out from the drawer. I'm like, well, wasn't his, fi- weren't, weren't Brit's fingerprints on it? Yeah. Like, isn't that incriminating? <laughs> but then exactly. I was like, I was like, this isn't that old, like DNA exists. Yeah. <laughs> well, and see, that was like one of those, one of those things I was like, oh, okay, this isn't really realistic in some ways. One other thing that really got me was when, uh, they had the cell phone, and then he goes to his cop buddy, his former partner, and they're talking about the cell phone, and uh, the guy basically knew he was there, but then don't you think he would just ping the cell phone then, like 10 minutes later, be like, oh yeah, it's in your house, it's in your pocket, dude, you know, and I know he was his former partner, but, you know, if you're investigating a murder, you know, you're going to want to do your due diligence there and figure out what's going on, or even if he pings that cell phone, say, hey, I know we, you know, you have the cell phone. I have to make a report on this in, you know, an hour. Make sure you get rid of it. Something like that. It just, you know, crossed the bounds of reality for me. So that stuck out a little bit. Yeah, that character, Mark, there's a couple bits later on in the series as well where a similar sort of thing happens where Hank and Britt really, I mean, they're good at what they do, genuinely. Like, you know, they... They're not running into things blindly. They're smart and at least a little calculating about their decisions. But if it weren't for Mark, they would definitely be <laughs> incriminated in a lot of their activities. But yeah, there's, that's one of the other subplots they set up that there's this history and tension between Mark and Hank. And Mark insinuates that a little bit to Britt where he's like, you don't know the type of guy you're dealing with. You know, don't, you know, he might flake out on you. Don't rely on him, etc." Which then, yeah, setting up all these domino pieces that might uh, tumble over as we move on. Yeah, I was going to say, Mark, the whole time he had, like, a cigarette holder in his mouth. What is that? I don't understand. I actually have no idea. I would love anyone else's opinion on that. I kind of took it as when they first introduced it. Not going to lie, at first I thought it was chapstick in his mouth. <laughs> I was like, why is he got chapstick? And then I, I think is it supposed to be, like, kind of like him. I took it as him trying to beat his smoking habit. So of like, so of having something in his mouth. Yeah, that that is it. I just don't that know like what the thing okay. is. It's I forget what the, I don't even think they refer to it. It just it looks like I like a they, golf tee. Yeah, yeah. I think they refer to it just a little bit when he first ran into him at like the impound, but it was like a very quick moment. And then they um he got some for him when he went to the mm-hmm. police station, and he called it like a cigarette holder. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. It don't, does it hold them? I thought it was yeah. like a case or something, but I, I'm assuming that it's something to like make you stop smoking. So but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I think that, that was in his mouth, mm-hmm. even while he was arresting Robert Lindis. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also like just a small touch of how Terrier sets it apart from its contemporaries. You know, any other cop who's smoking yeah. a cigar or a cigarette. Not Mark Gustafson. He smokes a, a thing that's not either of those. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's maybe a nod to like the noir detective type of thing. Like the you entered the detective agency, everything's black and white, and all the smoke comes out. <laughs> You're like, I need your help. I'm going to hire you for this. That's what it reminded me of. Very noir. <laughs> no, I think you're totally right. Um, and in, on that note, actually, just thinking about how the show moves forward with all these different relationships and all these different dynamics. 
was there one in particular that by the end of the episode, you're like, I want to see more of this. Jeremy, you mentioned earlier that you want to see most of those characters reintroduced and touched on again, but is there a specific arc or storyline that to you was like, this is interesting, this is compelling? Hmm. I don't know if it was more compelling or rather that I just liked the actors and how they were playing um, his partner. I'm, I'm not remembering the name, but we, we, met, a, we met his uh, girlfriend. They're getting the dog later on in the episode. Uh, I really like that scene when they're all just having dinner together over at their house. Like, you know, that felt very cozy. It felt like they had a good relationship and they were working through every, you know, little kink that came up. And even though they were both in many ways not really ready to commit fully, you know, into their relationship. It felt very genuine and it felt like they were getting through it and it felt uh, just homey and warm. So I, I wanted to see more of that. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. That's the relationship I was going to say. Britain's girlfriend, just like how she's going through school, but she wa really wants a baby. But then I really loved that moment at the end of when they had like a fancy dinner together that she was like, there's no way we can pay for this. And then he's like, yeah, sure there is. And then they get to their car and he's taking laundry from the restaurant. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm doing laundry for them. Well, I'm not going to do laundry. I made a deal with somebody else. Mm -hmm. so I just love his character a lot. Yeah, I love that callback to the whole, to the dog at the very beginning and the whole dry cleaning thing. Like I saw that and was like, that's smart. That's just such smart writing. I loved it yeah it was very full circle yeah you had like he was like oh i really want a bulldog now and then also like the dragon mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i think the moment for me that really again to all your points it, i wouldn't call it compelling but it at least it illustrated the relationship that i think is at the core of the series which is actually hank and brit as soon as i think they bring the dog back um Hank says to Britt, oh, there's this song stuck in my head. And Britt's like, no, no, come on, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then Hank starts singing uh, Close to You. He's like, bum, 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 And Britt's like, come on, now it's going to be stuck in my head all day. And then it comes up again later and later. And, you know, that just sort of playful, <laughs> jerk-like attitude. Like, you know, it, it's, it communicates so much without saying anything at all, really, about their relationship, just how no matter the the jabs they have at each other there's there's love and trust there and yeah and it, it rang true i i thought I, I felt like that was good script writing where they didn't have to hit you over the head with stuff something like that you know they could just kind of show that through some actions i don't know how much they talked about it on the show i might have forgotten it but this is a question for you george too do we get a little bit of a backstory of like their friendship and how it started so that's just something just with how strong their friendship is. Like, I kind of got curious of like, oh, I'd love to see how this dynamic was at the beginning or what like really solidified their friendship. I'll speak vaguely. There is an episode that is dedicated to that and it is awesome. But, you know, you can already kind of insinuate from the beginning that Hank's a former cop and then Britt's a former criminal. So there's sort of that juxtaposition there that, you know, somehow both of their former professions being former may have given them some sort of, you know, collision course with one another yeah they do touch on that later mm -hmm. that's kind of cool because especially with like because hank seems kind of like a cop who's willing to break the law a little and then here's brit who's a criminal but yet i could tell just from this very first episode he has like some really good morals and is a kind and caring person so it's like how they kind of meet in the middle is really cute well i guess kind of summing up uh would you watch more of terriers are you going to watch more
I think you, I honestly watched it and I was like, I want to know more, especially with it also being just one season. I'm like, I want to just see more. So I think you definitely got me hooked and into it. Yeah, I was going to say, especially because there's only one season. I love one season shows because a lot of times they got canceled too soon, but they are like perfect. Just like one season, you go through it, you're done. So I feel like I will keep watching and see what happens. But I love crime shows. So I feel like this one will be awesome to watch. Yeah, and I I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the shows I end up watching, you know, I'll just watch like one or two at a time because I feel like I have to keep track of so many parts and they have these huge immersive worlds and they're like eight seasons long and everything. And this just seems like a fairly fun, uh, you know, I want, I want to say surface level and I don't mean it like that, but I mean, I'm not going to have to, you know, keep track of 50 million characters and plot points and stuff. You know, I like the idea of it having like a, a soft overall arc over the season, but still have kind of like episodes of the week. So um, it, it seemed really cool to me. So I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. That's great. And with that too, there's, this show was, like I said, it was, it was canceled after one season, but Unlike a lot of other shows from kind of the late 2000s era, like FX in particular, from 2006 to 2010, they would introduce new pilots almost every year. And then for one reason or another, they would just kind of fall on their face. And Terriers, unfortunately, was at the tail end of that. Because at the same time Terriers came out, they also came out with Justified. They came out with Louie. I think Sons of Anarchy came out at the time. Shows that defined the rest of its era. So even looking back, Terriers is a bit overshadowed by some of its more popular, you know, neighbors on the channel. But I don't think it's, it's, it's still maintained a, a small niche presence in the cultural conversation. Because I, I still occasionally see tweets from people who worked on the show, including like Ryan Johnson, who just directed Knives Out and Star Wars The Last Jedi. He was a director for this show. And every once in a while, you know, I'll see him tweet about this or... Again, Sean Ryan, the, the EP. You can tell that there are people who want to see this show come back in some form. And I'll let you all finish the show before you kind of see how that could work, if it could. But I don't know. I, somewhere deep in my, in my heart, I think there's still going to be a second season of Terriers. I'm holding <laughs> on it. I don't think it... Will it actually happen? Probably not. But I'm going to hold on to that belief. So yeah. Any final thoughts on Terriers, everyone? I guess this is more a question for you. How did you discover if it's, I was just, I wonder how you stumbled across it. Cause especially it's something that we all talked about at the beginning, how, when we saw the name, we'd all be like, eh, now nah, we're not going to watch it. I think I saw it. It was on Netflix in 2013 or 2014. Like just one of the shows that was kind of thrown on there in the beginning. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you how I found out about any of the shows I like. Um, a lot of times, like, for example, there's another show that I adore that we might talk about in the future called. Oh my gosh. Amazon Prime. Patriot. Patriot, just say it. That's an, yeah, that's another example. I don't, I don't remember how I found it, but I found it and I love it. Uh, and this is very much in the same vein. Um, and would you say you found this one yourself? Like you don't remember anyone recommending it to you or anything? I feel like either I found it by myself or I saw my dad watch the first episode and then I watched it later by myself because now this show has become one of the, my family has like three or four shows that we all watch together and they are, they are Patriot, Better Call Saul and this show. <laughs> um, but it, I, so I, it's become, 
almost part of my my family dynamic in an I in a weird way. I feel a little goofy saying that. But yeah, I don't know. It's just niche shows have a habit of just bearing into my life, I guess. I'm excited to hear the spin-off podcast where you go through episode by episode of Terriers and Patriots and it's just you and your family. That's what I really want to hear. I want to hear all the aspects of opinions from your family. Because I, I, I have a feeling it would be pretty entertaining. And I have a feeling you would have some rich discussions on all of them. We do. We just, no spoilers. We just finished the latest episode, Better Call Saul. And we watch it the night it comes out. And then we watch it again the next night. Like, we're that family. We're weird. Um, but then we'll, we'll do the thing where we're like, dad pause it and we pause it and we talk about like the framing of a certain shot or what this character's really saying like what the subtext is and i don't know i love doing that stuff so i i don't think anyone else would like that podcast but i would love making it <laughs> oh, you'd have like 30 really really loyal you know fans <laughs> that'd be awesome i don't know 30 is pushing it i can imagine my grandma would like it just because she likes me but that's about it. Banking on a grandma's love. I love it. <laughs> right. Well, anyways, any other thoughts on Terriers? I would just like to say that the guy who plays Hank is also in Grounded for Life. And I never really watched that show, but it would always be one of those shows that I come back from middle school and it would always be on the TV and I would be forced to watch it because it was the only thing that was on. And so that's when I saw this show, that's what I immediately thought of, just like him being the dad for Grounded for Life. Amazing. Very cool. <laughs> he, was, he was also in Gotham. I don't know if we have any Batman fans in the house, but he was, he was, uh, oh man, what was the... What was his name? He's like a detective in that too, right? Yeah. I've wanted to watch that show. I've heard it's pretty good. I've only seen a few episodes, but now I have time, so. I don't know if I would say that it's good, but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> well, I think on that note, we'll we'll call it. Um, everyone, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And thank you to the folks at home who are listening. Terry's is available to stream on Hulu. And... Uh, for more on Social Night, keep it here at Impact 89 FM.